0: Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the 31st day of December. I'm your host, Paul White. It's New Year's Eve, the final podcast of 2023. Thank you for joining me in this calendar year. It's been wonderful as we've journeyed through the Gospels of Mark and now on into Luke. And I'm very excited about 2024 as we continue the journey together. Every month on the final day of the month, we present the essay for the last year or more. Uh, well, ever since we've been in Mark, we have taken the spot that we are currently at on the journey and wrote an essay on it. just lets me expand into some thinking and some connections that maybe we don't make in the day-to-day podcast, and that's what we find today as we are deep into Luke chapter 6. So with no further delay, we're going to present to you the essay I write it and then read it to you. The written version, if you like reading them on your own, they are available at our website, paulwhiteministries.com. So now, for December 2023, the essay edition. This month, the essay finds us in the famous Sermon on the Plain from Luke 6. It's famous, but less so than its more well known cousin, the Sermon on the Mount. What are the chief differences, besides geography? Well, for one, Luke's account of Jesus speaking on the plain is considerably shorter than Matthew's account of the Mount Sermon. Also, the plain sermon has been referred to as earthier, namely in its Beatitudes passage, a list half as long in Luke's version as it is in Matthew's. In Luke's sermon, these instructions deal primarily with economic and social differences. Another glaring difference is in the exclusions and the inclusions. Luke leaves out a huge portion of the Mount message, leading us to believe that these are probably two distinct sermons delivered at separate times, with Jesus building one off the other or highlighting different themes to a different audience on the plains than he did to the audience on the Mount. This is comparable to a traveling preacher delivering the same sermon to two different congregations in two different cities, The bulk of the content would be the same, but there would be subtle differences. Luke also includes a segment of woes delivered by Jesus to those who are rich, full of food, and full of mirth. Now, I save the details for these woes to another time, but use them to point out that Jesus concentrates much of his plain sermon on how we treat one another, particularly those who are less, have less, and expect less. And this brings us to our passage for the month, another moment where Luke uses Matthew's mount content, but has Jesus adding some depth to give the story a different twist. We'll concentrate on verses 37 to 42, briefly summed up as follows. Don't judge, don't condemn, and don't fail to forgive. Give, and it will be given to you in abundance." And then comes a parable that at first feels out of place, but we'll save that for a moment to deal with these previously mentioned instructions. Now, let's square away a couple important items as we begin. First, the context of the Sermon on the Plain has been how we treat others, namely in loving our enemies, and doing good to those who hate us, and lending to people from whom we have no hope of being repaid. These principles are unpopular maybe even more now in our materialistic society than they were in the occupied, dispersed society of first century Rome. If that is the context, then we have no reason to believe that Jesus changes direction on a dime. The judge, condemn, forgive passage must be more horizontal than vertical, more directed at your neighbor than at your God. And if they are horizontal, then the return for doing them or failing to do them, is expected to come from your neighbor, not from your God. Considering that our return will come in abundance from those around us, performing these could be a challenge. Second, this list does not stand alone, meaning that these instructions have definitions and uses in other passages. So we don't use this moment in the Sermon on the Plain as the end-all for understanding the topics. Take judgment, for instance. We know that God is the judge and that Jesus returns to judge the living and the dead. But since this passage is more outward than upward, those two facts can be set aside for now. And even with that knowledge, we still have some problematic texts regarding judgment. In Matthew 18, Jesus teaches that his disciples must sometimes judge what others do, and that the character of a person's heart can be recognized from the actions that flow from it. So do we ignore this obvious instruction to judge not lest you be judged? I know that I've used this verse to discourage judgment, only to have the other verses thrown in my face, like the you'll know a tree by its fruit passage somehow trumps the Sermon on the Plain. Well, let's admit that Jesus does encourage us to look out for error, And to judge when it is so, but let's also not confuse that with what's going on here. What he's doing in this passage is warning against the hypocrisy of those who condemn others for what they themselves are guilty of and the failure to show mercy. Watch Luke 6:36. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Then the next verse. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. And now the next verse, and this is an important point of order, lest we fail to recognize that the subject is still the same. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, skip the parable, more on that in a moment, and go to the end of the run to see that the context hasn't changed. Verses 41 and 42. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. And there it is. Judgment, condemnation, and lack of forgiveness are hypocritical problems. We judge because we see errors in others that are in us, but we'd rather point them out in others than deal with them. And note that Jesus does not say that to judge, we need to make sure that we have nothing wrong with us. That's not an option. He says that if we spot the speck in our neighbor, it's because we have a beam in our eye seems like the speck that we see just might be all that we can see of our own problem. This helps us with the parable Jesus drops in next about the blind leading the blind and both fall into a pit. When you judge and condemn, you show that you are really the blind. Why should anyone follow you? Having solved the problem with judging in relation to other judgment passages, we move on to the body of the text. As we pointed out earlier, it's important to see these injunctions in relation to one another. Judgment, condemnation, forgiveness. These are all judicial terms dripping with legalism. Then there is give. And it stands at the beginning of its own verse in the English translation, meaning it also starts with an uppercase G. And those two facts makes it stick out to us as if it's a standalone proverb. And I've heard it taught in relation to tithes and offerings and donations. Be a giver and you can expect that people will give back to you. In fact, if you give from your heart, people will give you more than you can stand. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Much has even been made about it being given into your lap, which is you receiving while in a seated posture, like what comes back to you will come back to you with no effort. I just wonder if our greed is sticking out through this interpretation, like a beam from our eye. Keep it all together as one continuous thought, and let's try that again from the beginning. And I'll put it in my own words to see if that helps. Be merciful in the way your Father is merciful. How is he merciful? Well, let's take the human law of disproportionate returns. You hit someone, they hit you back twice. Or the famous maxim, send one of theirs to the hospital, they send one of yours to the morgue. In that light, if you want to be free from disproportionate returns, then don't do the things that bring them about. For instance, don't judge and condemn people, because I promise that if you do, they will give it back to you in spades. They will give you so much that you will have to press it down and shake it together so it'll all fit, and even then it won't. It'll spill over into your lap, even affecting the next generation. Same thing with forgiveness. Be sure to hand it out liberally whenever you can so that people forgive you for all the things you do to them and believe you, me, you are doing things to them. Any other way of navigating any personal relationships is like a blind man leading other blind men. Don't forget, you're both blind. So spotting what's wrong in your neighbor is a practice in futility. So to answer my question, how merciful is the Father? Well, he's more merciful than you know what to do with. Now, my own little translation there plays a little fast and loose with the verbiage, but that's how I see it now. After spending so much time trying to clean everything up with the world and everyone that's in it, I've retired from the speck spotting business, not only in the hope that others will keep their fingers out of my eyes, so that I can contend with the massive beams that protrude from my own. Have you ever wondered why he picks on the eye? I mean, he could have made his point with any old illustration, but he chose the comical image of a man with a wooden fence post hanging from his eye socket. Well, Jesus once said that if a man's eye be good, then the whole body is full of light. But when the eye is bad, your body is also full of darkness. That's found in Luke 11, by the way, just a few chapters beyond where we are now. Evidence that Luke is setting us up for this revelation. Your eyes are used to see your surroundings and to perceive others around you. If your eyes are seeing the good, it fills your body, your whole life, with the life of the holy. If your eye sees only the bad, your body is full. Your life is full of darkness. Well, this plays out every day when we're surrounded by people so full of negativity and darkness. Listen to them speak, for their heart tells what their eyes are seeing. And in case you're interested, the famous verse, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, that's found just three verses beyond the whole specks and beams passage. Jesus is on to something here. The takeaway is probably something like, Quit judging others because you have your own problems but I really hope we can do one better. Let's aim even higher. How about this? Our Father is so merciful to all our failings that he heaps it upon us in ways we cannot even grasp or contain. Let's follow his example and do the same for those around us. It would light up our actual world and our inner world, and it's worth a try. Grace to you.